Good morning and top of the morning to you. I want to ask one question today. Are you doing what you love? Okay, two questions. Are you living your life with purpose? Every day you are sending a message by demonstrating your actions. Productivity can be measured with science and analytics, which is very helpful when it comes to work and life and etc. But your happiness is defined by you. When you live your life with purpose, you are going to try your best. Your actions will center around the life that you want to live. Doing your best creates actions of gratitude, which becomes your real reward. So many of us go to work every day so that we can get our reward of money and a few hours a week to spend that money with time off. So many of us go to work because we feel like we have to. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you repurpose your work and reinvent your purpose, trust me, your rewards will come. And the best part is that you will not be attached to those rewards. They will just be a reminder that you are the actual reward. Now let's get this party started. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. Crude Live Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard. My name is Jason Spies, and we've got Sonia Eichler with us. Panther Pumping Services. I had to add your business card there because I knew it was alliteration. Absolutely. How are you doing, Sonia? I am awesome. Thank Eichler. you for Eichler, exactly. Thank you for having me today. I'm so enjoying my time here in the North Dakota area. Bismarck, obviously, first time to be in the Bakken. Is it your first time? It is my first time to be here. Is this your first interview? Um, my first interview here in North Dakota, absolutely, but not awesome. my first interview in the world, no. <laughs> okay, well, that's right, because you have 10 years of broadcasting experience. That's, that's right. right, that's so right. Here we are. In the Bakken for the first time, well, what's your thoughts here so far? Well, you know, I actually feel like I'm almost just home. Um, you know, when I landed, the um, airport is so similar to what it feels like whenever I got off the plane um, or when I got on the plane in Midland. Um, very small airport, but it works. And then the people, Jason, the people are just amazing. I am. Um, I feel so welcomed and um, just it's it's been an incredible experience so far. You know, we had Monty Bessler on yesterday, and he called it Old Home Week, and then I was thinking the same thing. See if that works for Sean Forbes here. All right, so hang on here. All right, folks, we're going to be right back in just a second. Welcome back. Here we are. We're now adding Sean Forbes in. Sean is working the room a little bit here, and we're all kinds of things going in different directions. We had to reschedule three interviews already this morning. And, oh, it's been... Honestly, we haven't even walked the booths yet. You it's the to. third day of this conference, and we've been it's, been, it's been like an airport hangar here, just coming and going, coming and going, and, and that, which is good. I'm not complaining. Right, I'm right. Just observing very passionately. Yes, it's been a whirlwind. I feel like the day has just flown by. Yeah. But what I'd like to do is get back to what Sonia talked about, which is old home week, you know, yeah, exactly. like honestly. And what I've been hearing from people out of state, because we had Ben Holiday here too, yeah. uh, with the Holiday Law Firm, and he was like, this is amazing energy we got going here, and he was talking about it, and that's what I think is the old home week. Right. It's right. feeling that energy 
And honestly, what I'm hearing mostly is no masks. People are really enjoying that part of life, mm -hmm. the no masks and people shaking hands without or bumping fists or whatever the new appropriate way to greet each other is. You know, pretty soon I think we're going to be bowing like the Japanese, but that's a whole different podcast. Uh, it's the energy, though. I think a lot of people are feeling the positivity right. and finally getting off of Zoom calls. Mm, yeah. Yes. yeah, agreed. I, You know, right before we got the privilege to start, Jason, I don't know, remind me the young lady we were visiting with with the Bakken barbecue. What was her Tiffany name? Tiffany Steiner. Tiffany Steiner. So whenever I met her and told her that it was my first time here in North Dakota and Bismarck and, of course, the Bakken, just so excited to get on an airplane and come to an event, um, I told her the energy that I have received just being in this beautiful environment with all these fabulous people who are welcoming they have just uh, you know allowed me into their space and just it feels so good and it has lit me up just knowing that um that we're going to get back to normal business and i say normal who what's normal it doesn't matter but we're going to get that energy from each other and being able to walk up and she said you know heck i've received so many hugs and i said man that feels so good i've actually been hugged by a few people i don't even know and just the energy and the, the human joy yes, yes of being able to smile at you when I talk to you and not have my face covered up is just lit me on fire. So I'm super excited about what we've um, accomplished here. And then hello business. Can I just talk about business for a second? Well, I mean, let's talk about here, this. Yeah. We? So I do want to mention one thing though. Please, please. Sean Forbes, uh, you did not have the pleasure of hearing how the crude life is making the waves out there. So somebody went up to Tiffany Steiner and said, did you hear the Bakken barbecue has potatoes this year? What? Jason. She's the co-founder and the chair and the one who approved <laughs> the idea. And so that's, that's great. The crude life is just taking on a life of its own. And Sonia was there. She I heard it. it. I witnessed it. And I was like, well, I want to come. I, I don't know that I can come back in June, but you never know. I might can pull it off. So we the do potatoes, have. By the okay, way, tell is me. A great option to put your meat on. It's okay. a good option to put your well, barbecue on, okay? Oh, yum. It's a good vegetarian oh. option to put your. Okay. That's, that's yeah. the line. It's okay. a good vegetarian option. That's All right, awesome. so let's get back to business. Okay, now. well, let's talk business for a few minutes. Um, good gracious, you've made me think about food because the catering people that have been here, um, I think it's called Lady J's. They have like, I've eaten beautiful food and pastries and greatness. So let's talk about business. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the pastries yesterday with the strawberry, chocolate covered strawberries and the chocolate drizzled popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I told them, I said, I'm so grateful for you guys. And they actually are sending me home with a tray of goodness to share with my family back in Texas. That's so they lit amazing. my soul up yesterday with joy. But um, business, you know, here, here it goes. You know, I got the privilege to join Panther Pressure Testing and of course here and um, Watford City, we do everything, um, workover services, pumping services, acid services, obviously anything to do with um, pressure testing. You know, whenever I joined the company, I got the privilege to really get my head wrapped around what the pressure testing looks like. And no matter what you're doing, whether you are drilling, you're in completion, or you're dealing with your pipeline, we are the one-stop shop to take care of those needs for you. And the team here in the Bakken, obviously, has migrated, I guess there's six of them that have migrated to um, the Permian Basin to help service the clients I get the privilege to work with. Um, so I'm super excited about that. 
but they definitely have their stake in the ground here in the Bakken. A 30-year-old company, you guys, and that's so exciting for me to come on board with this amazing team led by Kurt Wold and um, my boss is Steve Reeves, and I'm just super excited to be a part of it. While I've been here, um, I've gotten the privilege to connect with a, a local West Texas company that is a mainstay in the West Texas area, but they have spread across the United States, Salisbury Industries, and they're here. And so we already do business for them here. And whenever I got the privilege to say hello to that group, I'm like, well, can I take care of you guys back in West Texas? And they were like, absolutely, you know, absolutely. Um, and then just all the other companies I've gotten the privilege to visit with that my bring me um, opportunities in the Permian Basin, but obviously here in the Bakken with the clients that we already do business with, much less with the clients that we're going to have the opportunity to continue to serve here. So it's been an incredible show. Yes. Where do you all have yards? Which basins do you support? Just the Bakken. The Bakken, I say just. We're in the Bakken area and that's our mainstay. That's corporate office. And then in Permian Basin, we've been there for right in four years. Our goal is to continue to branch out. I know for a fact that the Eagleford is is on the it's on the horizon. Yep. I mean, we're looking at that, and I, I actually have, have have had the experience um, in my career path to work in that area. So I'm very excited about bringing that one online, and then of course just continue to grow. I know they've talked about Pennsylvania, um, so we'll see where all we where all we land. Um, but I know today we just. Um, you know, it's just great business. And again, just um, honored to be a part of the team, but more importantly, just honored to be here in North Dakota with you guys and met Jason through, of course, um, you know, networking and LinkedIn. And whenever I realized where he was, I messaged him, I guess, two weeks ago saying, hey, are you going to be there? I would love to meet you in real life. And he was like, let me interview you. And I was like, absolutely, because I love getting to share the joy and the passion I have about what um, we bring to the table and who we are. Thank you for reaching out, too, by the way because I, I, I don't think people understand how easy that went for you. It was beautiful. And, and, and here's, it's so interesting. Like, um, just in my little, you know, like how you, we all think we have our own little real estate here in the show, right? Well, so my little real estate is um, on aisle 314, and I'm surrounded by a group of <clears throat> beautiful businesses. But what's been so cool is I have this very outgoing personality so no. therefore yeah exactly so you therefore, haven't stopped I, smiling this whole time and oh, I love I love you. it I love so it so I have this pretty outgoing personality so I've worked my little real estate area and so um, over the course of these last couple of days the guys with the other companies are like we want you to come work with us We and so what has been so cool is because I don't sit still well and so I've been out working our little square and then it's like oh well here you need to come meet these guys or oh here you need to come over oh they have cold beer so would you like you know whatever the scenario is and so it's just been this great experience great community it is yeah and so you know on my little street on, on aisle 314 <laughs> um it's just been really cool and so i just embrace that and um, make it happen and and you know it, again just that whole welcoming can be a part of what we're doing and um we are alive and well and i and i love that and i love that our industry is alive and well and so very very needed in the united states and um, i'm honored to be a part of the oil and gas industry 
your energy is exactly what I needed right now because oh. I'm so tired <laughs> from last night. <laughs> yeah, and your your energy your energy is energizing me. So oh, I appreciate thank you it. for allowing me to be with you guys today. And yes, and thank you. That's you know sometimes. Well, and even with the show, my boss told me what they were doing. I was like, well, do you need me to come? And he goes, well, no, we really haven't. And I was like, well, no, I really think I should go I'm, because I think I needed it just as much. And so, thank you for allowing me to share the energy because I have been energized from just being here. Absolutely. By the way, I don't know if I understood or if I even asked or if Sean asked, but a lot of times, you know, the the energy industry, hey, how you doing? Good. Good, Dave. (laughs) What's that? Oh, how about in about five, ten minutes? Five, ten minutes? Yeah. Okay. Edit. <laughs> Dave Thompson from uh, Dave Thompson from uh, PBS. PBS does a lot of uh, documentaries sure, on sure. the oil and gas industry here. So nice to see him out. So what was I talking about here? Do you remember? You were going to ask something. You said, I I'm don't know sure if I asked. I asked. I'm not sure if I asked this. So I'm not sure if I asked this or not. But a lot of times uh, the energy industry, especially oil and gas, becomes very diverse. Okay. You've got, I was joking, you got the upstream, you got the downstream, you got the midstream, you got the salmon stream, you got the trout stream, right? Because there's so many other side businesses we don't even know about that are connected to the oil and gas industry. Who is your customer? Is it strictly operators? Is it, you know, like who is your customer exactly? And one that that's what's so great is that my customer is all. That's because the beauty of that it. That is, and that is, I, I can. That's why we ask, by the I way. Know, a lot I know. of people just assume that, oh, it's, it's just, just operators. That's oh, it. no, absolutely not. And so I come from, um, I've been in our industry since 2011, and I got the privilege to start in the fracking industry. And I sold pump expendable parts. I worked for a manufacturer who made pump expendable parts. And then I went into to a service company and we did everything from roustabout crews to environmental cleanups to pulling units to, I mean you know, just we did it to safety <clears throat> then I had the privilege to work for Schlumberger and I just sold downhole tools period period so when this opportunity came up I was so excited because I would not be pigeonholed. Yes. Anyone I spoke to. And it's so awesome the way marketing and networking works because I can assure you, specifically in the Permian Basin, because that's where I was born and raised and where I know everyone, I'm one person away from knowing the right person. Here, I'm probably six or seven people away from knowing the right person. However, I've associated myself with a 30-year-old company that is a staple in the community and so I'm probably just maybe one or two people away from getting to the right person and so when I get my head wrapped around that anyone that remotely touches this industry is a great connection for me because they're going to get me to the next person who's going to allow me to go pitch our services. Right. And that's or vice the beauty. Versa. Exactly. You might be able to be a bridge for someone else and to I do something. And I do that. Oh, I yeah. do that. You know, even that whole networking thing works both ways. And so, again, just um, that's how it works. One of the one of the things that I love is that I get the privilege to touch all areas of what we do. Made me happy when you reached out to me because Thank you know you. we. we we, we get people that email us, and sometimes they yell at us and things like that. And uh, yours I just, just wanted to meet you. Yeah, you just wanted to meet and connect, and which is great, you know. And, and of course, I offered to do an interview because we're doing interviews and that sort of thing. And um, I was telling Sean, it was kind of funny because, and I, I, I don't want to, well, I do want to tell the story. So Okay. 
I'm always curious about response and who responds and who reaches out cold calls and you know I get it if you know somebody it's much easier but if you don't know somebody nowadays it seems like that's difficult for people right so when we did our Super Bowl squares it was a uh, gambling you know for free and everything but it's fun right so we put it out there <coughs> honest to God I put three posts on social media we got 132 responses 132 people emailed studio at the crudelife.com in five days say I can't numbers are loose at this point it's four or five days and when we were doing our ESG all month long I said if your company is doing ESG all this stuff I think we got six that's incredible that's incredible I'm like oh well, I need to figure out why that strikes me a bit different, you know? I get it, the fun part, but that was really a vast difference. So I think some people are uncertain about this ESG movement to the tune that they don't even know how to talk about it at this point. Right, you know? well, they're, they're trying to figure out how right. to invest in it or be compli- compliant. That's in quotes because who knows really what that means. Right. right. <laughs> it's a very broad term. And yesterday the governor here dropped a big bomb that North Dakota needs and must be carbon neutral by 2030. That's nine years. Eight and a half years, folks. So people are chattering about that today. should be interesting when Mike Pompeo goes up there and speaks. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. Didn't want to end on that note, so let's end with a note from you. Okay. So we'll give you the final word, Sonia. The final word. Thank you. Um, okay. Here, I want to make sure I get this company right here. Panther Pumping Services. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. How can people get a hold of you if they'd like to Absolutely. send some inquiries or do some so, business with y'all? I, I love saying this. My name is Sonia Eichler, and it's Sonia with a J. So S-O-N-J-A at PantherPPT.com. My phone number is 432 432- Eight five three five seven five eight, and I'll just end with this. Um, I hope that for those of you who are listening to our show today and um, just are considering where we stand in the oil and gas industry, it is it moves the world I have lived in my entire life. Third generation of, of living in the Permian Basin, doing what we do. I mean, I know that's the story that I've heard from so many people here in North Dakota, and it is a must. I mean, we, we have to continue to stand on our platform. It's what feeds my family and my community and I believe that the Balkan in North Dakota is almost identical I mean it feels almost like it walks and talks and looks just like the world I come from it just has got this much more beautiful terrain and I when I've said when I've said that a few people are like beautiful and I'm like yeah you have no idea where I live but beautiful terrain it's cool here this um this week I understand it gets like super super cold like 40 degrees so I'm out when it comes to that because I'm a West Texas girl where it's 90 degrees plus um and I got great West Texas sunshine However, um, I know that I strongly believe and love our industry um, because of what it does. And then I love being a part of the diversity of our industry. Woman, A woman in the oil and gas sector bringing her um, drive and passion, much less her knowledge. You know, uh, that's a conversation that maybe for another day we can have about how to sustain. If you are a woman wanting to get into this industry, where you draw that line and how you present yourself because being 
being able to have that credibility and being able to fluidly speak with someone is professionally. so thank you yes professionally and and but allow, also personally exactly because they still want to know who you are but you have to be professional and respectful and so you know I just I love teaching young women that are in this um, industry I've had plenty of mentors that continue to help me one of my favorite women in our industry is Janie Snelson and she has just taken me under her wing and helped me um, through this industry she's had over 30 plus years and in, in the specific oil and gas industry and is one of my mainstays so you know I'll, I'll leave you with that and tell you I can't wait to see you next time I know that I will get to see you out in the Permian Basin I think it's our our in June is in June correct the Shale Energy Goodbye. Conference I will. Yes. I will I will find you I want a follow-up interview in June I look forward to it can you imagine what she's going to do in three weeks Let's see, because I'm going to go set the world. I'll, I'll, let's, let's. Um, maybe we should um, have a, um, a goal in mind: how many new clients I can bring to the table, and I'll oh. talk to you about those. Because my boss will really like that Tell if I what. have a lot of challenge. goals. Challenge, challenge, challenge you. Thank One you. Per week. How's that? Done. Is that a lot? That no, well, it's probably a lot, but I need that well, because say. I have a, I have a. Oh, how about this? If if I don't have us where we're already doing work for them, I have at least the point where we have the MSA started, or we are in the throw of getting the new work started because the process does take some time. I have landed my first new client though since I've been with the company and please note I've been with the company two weeks and three days. All right, oh, so wow. we, we are going to carry Challenge, that into okay, the bed. Yes. So two, two new clients in the next three weeks yeah. or you're buying drinks. music heard on the crude life morning show play hard work hard is by the moody river band interested in becoming a sponsor email studio at the crude Life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to gam.ai. That's Great American Mining, gam.ai. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. 
It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome back to the Crude Live Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies. Sean Forbes joining us as well as the co-host, OG Directory. And uh, we're here at the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference. And we're day two today, right? Day two. I have to get my bearings together because we're well, getting Well, it's almost near. day three because we spent a, day, a whole day setting up. So it's day three kind of for us. That's why I'm discombobulated because we spent one whole day. Normally, I don't get a booth. I just come in, do my interviews. Well, this year, strength in numbers, teamwork. Sean Forbes has joined. Jenica Hauser has joined. So we got three people here this year, so we had to get a booth. And so um, there was a few extra surprises for me this year in my mental timelines that I was not used to in the past. Because before, I just show up, grab a table, I'm good. Set up. How many times we, we ran? Think. We had to think about... Flowers. Potting soil, a, gum. A booth presentation is very um, hard work. Yeah, and even this morning, we we're still grabbing some things in the business center instead of our handwritten notes, just trying to, you know, fine-tune and this and that. So, Talon Grabo. Yes. Yeah, I got it right this time. I said Grabo yesterday. Uh-oh. Grabo. Talon Grabo. First of all, Talon, that's an unusual name for a... Uh, for a gentleman, what's up? Not, or, or a human, I guess. Yeah. My son's name is Otis. Uh, for okay. a human. Okay. Well, no, that's perfectly I fine. That. I think um, I think way back in the day, I was supposed to be a girl. At least that's what my parents were naming me, and they think I was coming out in a car magazine. Um, I can't remember which car manufacturer came out um, with uh, the Eagle Town, and that's they said, let's name him Town. That's how is that it, where it came stuck. from. Okay. Yeah, from a car. I think so. I think so. There's uh, that's okay. That's, that's the rumors, at least. It's a pop quiz, so I mean, you know, you weren't prepared for this, no. but my son has a friend named Talon. Okay, and so we always talk about that. Yeah, really. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm. Just I was like, going to say, do you know anybody else named Talon? Uh, surprisingly enough, after I went through the uh, high school school system, uh, the younger kids that were my brother's age all came through, and they're one, almost every single one of the grades started having Talon pop up. So you started was, a trend. I did. I did. I thought it was the only one for a while, and then. Now it's flooded. So well, uh, it's always good to have a unique name, in my opinion, because people remember it. My name is Jason, the second most popular name coming out of the '70s. Thank goodness my last name, Spees, is what grabbed and hung on because my other brother, Keenan, he got the cool name. Mm-hmm. So they don't call him Spees; they just call him Keenan. So I was lucky enough that I got a cool sounding name. So anyway, that's where we're going to go with that story. Now let's talk about Inside Environmental. First of all, why don't you go ahead and share that story you were telling 
me and Sean Forbes before he got on the air about your boss. Yeah, so my boss, Todd Morrison, <laughs> he uh, he started the company back in 2009, uh, kind of a one-man shop doing environmental inspections for, uh, at the time, was Murphy Oil out in Superior, Wisconsin. Um, you know, recognized uh, that there was a need and a better way to do environmental compliance, especially Eldar, leak detection repair. So we kind of took that over. Uh, from there, we've kind of blossomed out and grown organically throughout all of our contracts. Um, really, leak detection repairs, where we are as hard as a company, uh, but we offer plenty of other services from uh, OGI, optical gas imaging, SEMS, continuous emissions monitoring, and kind of the new one, if you go by our booth, is the UAV division. Uh, we kind of use all of our, our knowledge that we've gained over the years with uh, environmental compliance inspections and brought that into the UAV drone world and really kind of made it our own and, and really took off with it. So yeah. I think that's the number one, the eye catch and grab uh, at our booth right now is that drone setup over there. So it's, How many drones do you have? Uh, currently within our fleet, uh, we have a bunch of different ones, but uh, I believe we're running five different ones, uh, ranging from fixed wings to, to the ones we have over our booth here right now. So um, different applications, you know, we have workhorse ones that are used uh, kind of across multiple platforms, whether it be aggregate, um, Aggregate lines of work, uh, all the way to volumetric uh, analysis, uh, optical gas imaging. Uh, there is a, there's a plethora of items that we can use for them. So it's definitely uh, uh, a very, very cool and unique uh, kind of line of work to be in. Yeah. What is the longest pipeline? Or for, I guess furthest distance that you've sent a drone out? Sure. Well, right now I think F FFA... Or the F FAA, FAA. yes. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, well, that's another, the FAA is another question, too, because are there restrictions for flying a drone? Yeah, so currently right now, um, they kind of stuck with aviation, uh, and their their limit, line of sight is three miles. Now, we cannot, we will not send ours out more than a mile and a half, so that's kind of usually the, the limit range right there, you know, uh, on line of sight. Um, if we want to talk upwards off the ground, you know, it's limited to about 400 feet, okay. um, with the exceptions of your, uh, you know, monitoring cell towers or stuff like that. You can get almost a, a cone um kind of inspection radius around that so you can go up to that 12 13 1400 feet wherever that that uh, that may be do you have to file a flight plan so to speak you know to make sure that you're not interfering with helicopters or other things that might be in the sure. air um i guess i can't speak to that um, my drone pilot's over there um he knows a lot more of of that ins and outs of that area there but um i know there's definite we have a very stringent you know flight protocol we check all the boxes before we take off and ensure that we have multiple people within eyesight range and stuff like that so um yeah start and stop what is, the, what is the general feeling about drones versus physical inspection? So I would say uh, five, years, five years ago when we started the drone uh, side of our business, um, it was very, very hesitant. A lot of our, lot of our providers and, and customers were um, no drones. No drones. Was absolutely it a reliability not. thing? Or why uh, it was just hesitant? the uncertainty was going on with it. Okay. Um, we used that time uh, five years ago and... and almost kind of put a little bit of a pause to it uh, while the industry kind of figured itself out with what they want to do with drones. So we took that time doing, um, like you said, um, aggregate work, uh, working a lot with farmers, mapping, uh, as well as uh, quarry and, and volumetric uh, work. So in that amount of time, the, the industry kind of saw 
the need for drones. Um, it definitely takes the human element out of dangerous situations. Um, if you guys recall or know about the, the Husky uh, facility uh, back in 2018 when it exploded, we were one of the very first people out there with a drone working with the refinery, giving them um, uh, disaster response. So we were there working side by side with the firefighters, chasing down, chasing down fires that were happening all across the facility as it was being put out, giving them real-time data. And uh, that kind of opened the door for other areas within the drone industry that we offer and provide. So it's just little heat spots that you yeah, detect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that drone, I mean, uh, there's, there's quite a different uh, bit of applications like we talked about. But um, we started with the optical gas imaging, heat signatures and whatnot to really pinpoint and, and, and find leaks on, on well pads and, and uh, through, throughout the area. So, you know, that, that OGI camera on top of that drone was a, was a definite asset to have uh, in, in helping uh, with that emergency. Yeah. So do you, uh, drones is probably not your only um, pr primary source of uh, Eldar, right? No, you no, no. You still do the guns, so, you still do... Yeah, yeah. So... We are an environmental inspection company that happens to have a drone. Gotcha. So a lot of other people have drones and they do inspections with them. So a lot of our technicians, uh, we start as Eldar technicians. Um, that is exactly what it sounds like, leak detection and repair. Um, every one of us are well versed in the rules and regulations that go with inspecting, whether it be pumps, compressors, valves, whatever it is throughout oil and gas industry. We use that knowledge and then from there kind of blanket and teach our, our, our pilots who all have their part 107 to be able to identify and uh, fly, you know, in and around equipment and towers and whatever may be using those inspections. So I would say Eldar is 70% of our work. Uh, OGI, the uh, the camera side of things, is another 20%. And then really the drone is still the, the smallest part of our company. That's only about 10%. So other smaller services that we do offer with environmental permitting and, and, and consulting work as well. But that's kind of the, the rundown and kind of where we're at. Question. That's how we do it here. Raise yeah. your hand. Um, just kidding. Fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Eldar? Is that LIDAR? No. Eldar is different than LIDAR? Yes. Okay, Eldar is new to me now. Explain Eldar. Well, Eldar's actually been going on for the better part of 20 years. So I may know what Eldar is and just thought it was LIDAR. Yes. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and to be frank, I, I thought it was the same thing okay, as well. There's a, there's a big confusion in it all. Um, I can't speak too much about L our LIDAR because that's, no, that's again, okay. that's, I, know, I know about it. That's, that's you know, Tesla I, and all the other cars, self-driving cars, they have that kind of technology stuff. Oh, do stuff. they? Okay. Well, they're trying to, uh, but... Well, um, so I was going to say, LIDAR is really old. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. But now the, the self-driving cars and they're trying to get LIDAR worked into them. They're just yeah, until big they clunky just, units on top yeah. of cars that try to see things and it's it's, it's Go different. on. All right. Go so, on. But leak detection repair uh, really uh, stems from uh, technicians' boots in the ground have a uh, an FID backpack monitor on their back and we use that to go around physically uh, sniff pumps valves compressors anything that may leak volatile organic compounds um, so we use those we um, have a simple wand that we measure any leak interface within uh, any any sort of the uh, regulatory uh, lines that we monitor and from there um, we do exactly that leak detection repair now we make simple repairs we're not doing the the, the uh, you know the total breakdowns of pumps will we'll take a righty tidy and that's about the extent of our repairs but a lot of times that does do that does does it a fix on on anything we're doing so um it's uh 
I think with the industry and where it's going, we're seeing a lot of AWPs, alternative work practices coming online, and that's kind of a mix of camera work and, and, and method 21. That's the Eldar side of things. Um, and really, if you were to ask people 10 years ago, are we going to have boots in the ground technicians still monitoring valves, they'd have said no. But here we are 10 years later still doing this. Now we're seeing, like you said, that alternative work practice where it's kind of a blend, a mix of, mix of the two. Um, ideally, if you want 100% capture of you know gas and process in the pipes, you still have to have technicians on the ground level monitoring doing those inspections because the camera while it is a very very useful tool um, at a certain point you don't get those smaller leaks and capture all the gas so i think it's a very it's a definite um, thing that should stick around for a while uh while longer till the technology catches up and where it needs to be i think the hardest part about what you have is is that trying to identify where to stop because one of the big problems about big data, that's what we're talking about here, we're talking about the, the, the using of data over and over again to become big data, is where to stop. Because you can do almost anything you want, and that's the problem with being that customized, is that where do you stop with the customization? Because it, it, every time you add something, you know, the price does go up, and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So Certainly. Um, how do you guys deal with that, on, you know, trying to help I don't know, uh, consult and manage and deal with someone who really does not know a lot about this technology. Sure. Well, ideally, we line up with companies that uh, fit our core values as a company. Really, um, um, you know, we've had to, unfortunately, turn down a few of our potential clients because they just didn't fit the mold of what we want want to do and accomplish. Um, We want someone that can uh, easily work with us in the environmental compliance world, understand that the rules are changing. We're going to help them uh, navigate those rules uh, with with every changing administration, things happen, and uh, we're there to help adapt and, and, and interpret the letter of the law to how um, we best see fit. And, and, and at the end of the day, those are the people that we really, really like to line up with. So um, it, it's, you know, as a, as a consulting contractor, it's at times, you know, a, a fight and a battle. Uh, we don't always win that argument, but we just use the best judgment and, and go with, you know, what uh, the client really wants at the end day. So it's, it's, um, it's a definite rewarding uh, line of work for sure, just to know that we're out there and, and, you know, providing the best services we can for all of our clients. Yeah. Speaking of consulting services and alternate work practices, ESG is a huge topic within the industry now and people trying to find ways to reduce emissions, reduce leaks. I'm sure, you know, there are some companies that have standard practices where they do leak detection, um, you know, every, what, three months, six months? What is the standard protocol for? Um, Well, with Method 21, uh, a standard program, we're looking at monitoring everything within uh, quarterly, every three months. That is Method 21, that is our backpack probe inspections that we're talking about with alternative work practices, that's getting more into semi-annual work. Uh, and then a lot of that on well pads and well sites are with quad away regulations. I mean, finding and fixing leaks twice Immediately. a year. I mean, <laughs> you, you find them, you hopefully you fix them right away. Right. Um, uh, but that's only twice a year. So now we're only going out with the camera uh, to these pads and stuff. Yeah. Twice fixing things, ensuring that it's leaking and going away. What's happened? That's all within a day. Yeah. What happens the other, you know? 
six months of that. I, I, I can't tell you. 363 days. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's definitely it's definitely hard. It's a labor intensive deal. Um, we said the changes that happen and we introduce things, prices go up, but um, we definitely try to to to. The, the big issue is, is is making that correct fix. There's a lot of temporary fixes that you can do to get by on, on a, any one given site. We're not there. We don't want to align with those companies. We want to see the permanent fix that that are long-lasting. Right. So uh, a lot of the companies that You're we work with... not there to with, do shortcuts. No, we're not there to do shortcuts. A lot of the companies that we work with and align with um, definitely take the extra work and the time and money it is to put into their well sites and everything else that they're doing out there to ensure that these are leaking, are not leaking, I should say, right. and... Um, and reducing the emissions going out to the atmosphere. Right. So with regards to consulting and reducing emissions and things like that, are there companies that contact you and ask you for advice on maybe switching out their instrumentation so that they're doing a better job of controlling? Yeah, certainly. One thing we like to do every once in a while, and it hasn't happened recently because of COVID, um, is definitely get kind of a lunch and learn atmosphere going. We bring a bunch of our current clients and also potentials as well. And we sit down and we talk about, you know, what's working on well sites? What's happening? What are you guys using? Because, And they're all agreeing too. Like, we, want, we don't want to spend the extra money to have these things being fixed all the time. So we're bringing in, uh, you know, people across the industry at, uh, and, and really sitting down and having those those one-on-ones, those talks and what's happening, what's working. And then they're taking them back to their company and say, okay, these guys over here are doing it. They're reducing their costs on repairs and, and maintenance on their sites because they're doing X, Y, Z. Why don't we try to implement that as well? And, uh, you know, time and time again, it's 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 proven to be working and it's we're definitely reducing emissions going into that atmosphere. What's the, where are you guys based? So currently, like I said earlier, uh, we we founded we were founded in uh, Superior, Wisconsin, at the Husky Refinery at the time Murphy Oil. Um, probably about five years ago, our CEO packed up, and moved down to the Houston, Texas area to give us more of a Gulf Coast. Uh, um, representation. Do you do any offshore work? We do not do any offshore work, but I would say primarily we have 40% of our of our workforce is here in North Dakota. I was one of two uh, back in 2014. Uh, from there, we're up towards of 20, 25 people out here uh, in in North Dakota and working. So we have offices offices in Dickinson, uh, Mandan, uh, as well as Watford City area, and we kind of cover the western side of the state. So, But that's not limited to Texas, West Texas, New Mexico. We we are sure. also in Wisconsin. You will Minnesota. travel. Yeah, we will okay, travel. You're not We're limited to no, certain we basins. have we have other uh, um, offices in Kenai, Alaska, and uh, and of course Washington. So you know where the oil is, we're going to be there. To, we just want to ensure we're doing the best we possibly can for all of our clients to reduce emissions. So a couple two-part question here as we kind of wind down: uh, Who is your customer specifically? And do you have customers outside of oil and gas, like municipalities or anything? And you might have answered this already. I apologize because I've yeah. been multitasking throughout this whole interview, so I apologize. Yeah, so we've got a wide range. Uh, on the on the oil and gas side, um, you know, we, we work with Marathon. We work with, um, uh, at is now Synovus, uh, which is the Husky Refiner in Superior. That's kind of our oil refining uh, world of, uh, of, of compliance. Now we, we have... I didn't realize that Synovus had U.S. 
assets because yeah, they're so a Canadian-based company. They're Canadian-based right? companies. So that was acquired here recently. Hmm. Um, it is well, it was Husky before that, and Husky was also a Canadian-based company as well that bought assets down here. So Synovus purchased Husky, and now they're over there. So um, we have one. Uh, there are midstream kind of assets along with Crestwood Oasis uh, for Method 21. You know, uh, gas capturing and. Um, areas there uh, on the the well pad the production side we really like to align with the smaller companies that are struggling that need that extra help that extra push to to get over the compliance issues that they may having now that's not saying we're going to stray away from bigger ones um, we just see the value and the benefit to, of of um, you know these these smaller companies that really fit our core values as a smaller company ourselves yeah so you said that you support the agricultural industry with yeah. farmers. What do you do for for those guys? So it's really really cool with uh, some of the technology we have with our drones. Not only on the oil and gas side, but you're able to with some of the cameras that we have on our on our drones. You're able to detect uh, stress within foliage and in and, and the environment going on. So something that you may not see with the naked eye, you'll be able to pick up with a camera and uh, be able to see that, hey, this area of your farmland or may be affected by uh, uh, some sort of uh, diseases or something going on. So we also do a lot of mapping for them, you know, pulling out um, levels and so they can run drainage ditches and other areas along those lines finding those lost cattle yeah yeah that is i mean it is <laughs> something that's easily doable um so it's uh it's very very cool that drone awesome well how, how can people get a hold of you if they'd like to yeah so we have a website insightenv.com um that's our main go-to um each one of us have uh if you go on there we'll find all of our kind of areas of where we're at um service lines for ogi uav um Eldar and Sam's are all on there. So, um, yeah, it's primary line of work there for um, line of contact. We also have a YouTube page, Instagram, uh, as well as a few others. So we're we're on all the platforms. Awesome. How do you how do you spell your name? My name. Yes. T A L O N. Talon. Yep. Talon. And your last name? Grabo. G R A B O W. Can people find you on LinkedIn? Yes, they can. They can find me on it too. I was forget about. You haven't been banned for life yet. I have not been. Our banned last for guest life was yet. banned for life. <laughs> That's quite an achievement. That's what I thought too. You're yep. somebody. Yeah. If LinkedIn has banned you, you got to have a little bit of time to get banned from LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm thinking. <laughs> That's a positive spin, baby. Right. Thank you today. And by the way, if you guys ever need anything, feel free to reach out and lean on us. We'd be more than happy to get the information out to the masses. Okay. Perfect. Thank you very much. heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The tide came in, honey, you went out. The tide went out, honey, you came in. The tide came in, honey, you went out. The Crude
food life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to gam.ai. That's Great American Mining, gam.ai. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. Welcome back to the Play Hard, Work Hard morning show. My name is Jason Spies. Sean Forbes with us this morning. Co-host, our guest co-host from OG Directory out of the Colorado State. How are you doing, Sean Forbes? Good. Uh, Coming to you live from the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference in Bismarck, North Dakota. We're not even at noon yet, and I'm already hitting my wall because (laughs) I haven't eaten yet this morning, and I had to get up at, you know, Ott 4 to get my programs out and running and that sort of thing and uh we've got a celebrity here with us this morning mark ziegler he's on the front page of the bismarck tribune it's still a newspaper folks on the front page of the bismarck tribune mark ziegler center gestures while explaining the features of a product known as gorilla jack that Minot-based Nukota Services has on display outside of the Bismarck Event Center during this week's Williston Basin Petroleum Conference. Mr. Mark Ziegler, how are you doing today? Yes, quite the intro, Jason. Thank you very much. You're good for my confidence, sir. Yes. <laughs> There's been several people that have commented on my intros, and I just think I'm a blathering idiot. But uh, okay, all right. Well, no, I'm, I'm I'm buying what you're selling, sir. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to get to the headline right out of the gate here. I mean, because you are front page news, and you're representing the Gorilla Jack. Correct. With New Coda, but we'll we'll get into the whole okay. subcontractors in a bit. Okay. I'm walking to the coffee yesterday, and you guys are right by the coffee station. 
either right next to it or just two doors down, two booths down. But either way, really close. Correct. And all I see is this big giant sign that says Gorilla Jack. So I just recently was in Colorado, and I used to write for the cannabis industry. So for those three years that I wrote okay. for the cannabis industry during the downturn. This is interesting. Where is this going? <laughs> That's why I'm saying. We'll see where this is going. We'll get there. <laughs> so I tried to get into the UAS industry for the writing. That's pretty well controlled. Okay. That, they, they had the, the people were pre-chosen in that. <laughs> then I tried to go into healthcare. Well, that was even more controlled than the UAS industry. Okay. Cannabis gave me a shot. So I did some political writing and some medicinal transitional business writing. Okay. okay. So I, it was Marijuana Ventures magazine. It was about startups. Okay. And then it was a, 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 a cannabis type, uh, I forget the name of it, Cannabis Monthly or something like that. It was a political overview of which states had it on. It was all sterile stuff, news-based stuff. Okay. But what I learned is, is that you got some pretty cool names when it comes to these types of products that are in the dispensaries. <laughs> so I walk by, I see Gorilla Jack, and I go, what's the THC level of that? And of course, the guys work at the booth start laughing. And, we, and I go, well, it's got to be Gorilla Glue and Jack Hair, right? And the one guy really started laughing. Like, he goes, oh, we got an expert. <laughs> yeah. And he knew what you were talking about, though. That's what it was. <laughs> so, now, which it, Dakota employee was that? Oh, no. He's gone now. He's it was someone else. It's a bystander. Bystander. He was the guy that brought you that bag earlier, Sean. No, I'm just kidding. The baggie? You mean the baggie? The baggie of oregano, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I thought we'd just start off with that little fun story. Great name, Gorilla Jack. Caught yeah. my attention. Um, so that's the intent, yep. The whole idea behind uh, soft drinks and, uh, you know, whether it's dispensaries or what, is attention getting. And Gorilla Jack, man, it caught my attention for a lot of reasons. Thank you. How did you? guys come up with the name what does it do you know what that uh talking in the mic that was asked to me yesterday i don't really have a good explanation behind where the actual name gorilla jack comes from 24 hours later and you still don't okay 24 hours later i still don't but the basic premise is that if you take the idea of the 800 pound gorilla in the room and that typical quip that people say from that i think we just adopted the idea that we want this product this service this piece of equipment to kind of be that 800 pound gorilla in the room from that evolved into the gorilla jack and all of our branding and logos are based off of that concept now the gorilla in the room is like a big powerful thing right well not said. like an elephant in the room not like an elephant in just the wanted room. to make like sure a big powerful thing nobody got like confused king kong king right. kong much better much better way to state it absolutely yes. right yeah so what is it so <clears throat> this piece of equipment is designed to work on wells that are on artificial lift so everyone's familiar with either a rotoflex belt drive pump or a pump jack that uses a rod pump to lift fluids out of the well like anything those wells need to be worked over at certain parts during its operational life and that working over of the well is typically done with a rig but with a rig you have all kinds of restrictions especially in the state of north dakota and that can be weather restrictions like wind standing a derrick you can be restricted by whatever the threshold is depends on the operator could be 30 40 mile an hour winds you stand the derrick you can't operate the winds are too high uh, you've got road restrictions with taking large loads down certain roads, especially in the springtime with frost bands. This piece of equipment is designed to 
mitigate or get around all of those things. We do not stand a big mast or a derrick. This is a hydraulic table that essentially is a snubbing unit in reverse, engineered specifically for solid rod. So you can use a small crane? Uh, we can use our small crane. We do have a small picker that is part of this piece of equipment that we utilize to stabilize a piece of rod as we are actually jacking. So a winch rod. truck, kind of? Um, I would never compare it to a winch truck, okay. but uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can see why you might say that, but certainly this could do way more than what a winch truck could do. Is that... Uh, How much time does it save a customer? You need to be you need to be careful in terms of a specific number, but because I think I this would eliminate range, per permits and things like that, right? The the key thing that this eliminates is additional men at the wellhead. Okay. And what you're doing with that is you're alleviating additional propensity for someone to be at risk while working at the wellhead. A typical work of a crew is going to run a three or four man crew. We come out with this piece of equipment, we run a two man crew. And that is one of the really distinct factors that operators in this basin are interested in, is that safety aspect that we run with a smaller man crew, just based off of our efficient equipment design that we don't need as many men to do it. You're getting all kinds of people coming up to you here at the conference since you made the front page of the Bismarck Tribune? Well, I only saw that front page of that newspaper about an hour ago, so okay. ask me that question at the end of the day. Maybe there'll be a lot more uh, fervor around it. I was reading further, by the way, and I feel like I should read this because i got to ask you, how much did you pay for this front page advertisement? Holy cow! This is fantastic, because listen to this. It continues on after just that little deal. It's American made, it's American designed and manufactured, said Ziegler, who is the manager of New Coda's Rod Jack Division and Regulatory Services. The Gorilla Jack can perform some of the same maintenance tasks as a workover rig, but with greater efficiency and it can withstand windier conditions, he said. The Petroleum Conference kicked out, then, there's a little, then it goes on about the Petroleum Conference. That's right on the front page, man. That's outstanding. Yeah, it's definitely good uh, PR. We're pleased about it. So um, that's what I mean. That's that's a that's a big value there. So congratulations on that. That's and it was delivered to every trade show booth. I think it to was this morning. I think so. it was. But I, what I'm even more excited about is some of the additional exposure that we're getting through the podcast. I, it, hey, I think that's going to be great for spreading the message of this piece of equipment and that, its benefits as That's well. right. That 100-year-old newspaper's got nothing that's, on us. That's where, <laughs> that's where I was kind of going with that. One yeah. thing. Do you guys have the mechanical arm game? That's us. That's, that's right. You. I've never seen that at a show before. Isn't that a great idea? Yeah. So it's one of those... You guys have the claw game? Yes. Yeah, that's us. That's, so we have an indoor booth and an outdoor booth. And on the indoor booth, we have the claw game. So and inside the claw Genius. game... Genius. Are a bunch of stress reliever gorillas. gorillas. Oh man, I gotta and get so over there. Those gorillas, all certain ones have a number on the bottom. If you use the claw, you get one of the gorillas with the number on the bottom. You then get your name entered into a draw for a hunting rifle. I'll be right back. Go over there. <laughs> I just want to win. 
I've never won in those claw games, man. I've spent so much money trying to get that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, and I've never gotten it. <laughs> that iPod well, that you not, never get. I gave up long before they got into that movement yeah. where you got to, like, poke a hole through an iPod and it comes out at the mall. Yep. I don't know. Yep, the so, claw game, everything is geared around helping promote our new piece of equipment. The group. But what I liked about it, it was different. Yep. And to me, if you're different at this conference, you're going to stand out and you're going to be remembered because everybody just had a year, year and a half off. And if you come out with the same old, same old... Couldn't have said it better myself. You're going to blend in and go by the wayside because Couldn't. right now, for the last year and a half, everybody sat in board meetings and the end of the day was, you got to think different to make new money. And that's a great, uh, great um, intro as well because... That's the whole mentality behind this piece of equipment. This is something different. I was telling, um, I was telling this young lady at the booth next to you guys that, in terms of this piece of equipment, the Gorilla Jack, there's only three of them that exist in the world. Mm -hmm. In the world, not. I'm not talking about just this basin. I'm talking in the world, and they are designed. The patents are under our name at Nukoda, The patent claims. So we're hoping it's going to be something really big in a lot of the basins throughout the U.S., not just here. All right. Go ahead, son. Where are they now? Uh, we're based out of Minot and, again, just working within the Bakken. Okay. Okay. So yeah. my next question is, it's a two-parter question. Okay. First part is, are you looking at other shale plays? We'll get to that in a second. The other part is, is I give this example a lot about how the oil and gas industry, the way it seems it goes, just broad, broad brush here, is they make their big decisions within a month. And generally that month is sometime between October and January, okay? And then they spend the next 11 months managing those decisions they just made, okay? Hmm. And I say it's, it's important for a person with a $600,000 generator that only works in wet gas to understand that because it might take a year before they get a sale. Sure. I mean, it might, you know. And so if you're paying a full-time salesperson and a county, all these office expenses, and you don't get a sale for a year. Right. Well, that's tough. People need to know that, you know. So you only have three of these? That's we, like that's like the reverse of the story I've been telling. You know, is like so. You want? Do you want to get another shale place? Yes, absolutely. Okay, how do you that's, do that? That's the intent. Um, well, we base it off of gauging the market here, where it's it's our home, and that we have the relationships with existing clients. And what that's telling us is that the demand should be big for this piece of equipment because of the benefits that it provides. I think also with how you described earlier with the claw machine. This industry, in this segment, in remedial work, working over a well that's on artificial lift, so badly needs innovation. The way that they have worked these wells over and repaired them on artificial lift has been done the same way for the last 60 years. Plungers, soap, and compression. I, I mean, <laughs> so it badly needs that innovation. Like the claw machine at the show, it's something different. And I think that's also becoming a factor with why this is getting the attention that it is. Does it work in other shale plays? Does I mean, does it if matter? Those, if those wells are on artificial lift okay. with rod pump, whether it be a rotoflex belt-driven pump or the actual beam pump, this can work in that basin. Okay, that's Absolutely. that's really just the pre-qualifiers. Just that's that. the pre-qualifier. Well, that's, 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 nice. that's what this is designed for, okay. is that specific segment of the market. Now, having said that, 
the intent is not to have this entirely replace a workover rig. Workover rigs still have tremendous value and that, that, that idea of, of standing a derrick over a well to pull those rods or pull tubing will never go away. But where this piece of equipment sees its value is what we call light remedial. This very distinct niche where it's complete overkill to bring a workover rig out to do that work on the well. That's things like um, replacing a broken polish rod, fishing a broken polish rod, swapping out the BOPs, or more importantly, doing frack protects. The impetus for this piece of equipment truly, back in the design phases, was to work within the realm of just doing frack protects. And that's really relevant in the Bakken-Williston Basin because geographically speaking, this basin, geographically speaking, is small, comparatively so to Delaware or Permian. And the result of that is the more wells you drill, the more wells you frack, the more you have the propensity or potential for cross-communication, and that's when the idea of doing proper frack protects on your offset wells becomes really important. That's where this fits in. It's overkill to bring a workover rig out to do a frack protect, which is ultimately just unseating pump down hole, removing polish rod, hanging off rod string, capping the well, and having it capped like that and protected as an offset well. We can come in and do that type of operation with this piece of equipment in roughly two to three hours. I don't like to hold myself to metrics, but that, that's, that's, that's the goal. That's how we do it. You sound like you're from Canada. I am originally from Canada. Which part? Southern Alberta. Alberta. Calgary. Calgary. Why, what gave that away? When you said a boot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, us here in Minnesota, North Dakota, we don't say a boot, we say about. Okay. Yeah, we, our, our O is not as covered. Well, what's funny about that is about I've, that. I've, I've spent the last 17 years living okay. in Texas, and my family in Canada say that I have a southern draw. Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's odd. Well, <laughs> maybe it's you being back in North Dakota. That, that's affecting my accent. There's no it doubt is. about it. No doubt. Well, it that's is. interesting, buddy. I've never heard of that. So, okay. Okay. Hey. <laughs> well, buddy, that's another word that long, Canadians use all the time, say, buddy. I don't say buddy all the time. I don't think I've used buddy. I'm not saying you do, but I know a lot of Canadians <laughs> that do. All right. There's our Roughneck Coffee Frack Fuel Light Wow. Roast. Liking. Look at that. I like the looks of that stuff. Take a look at that, huh? What do you think? We like to help. We like to help promote. So I told uh, Jeff Zarling to bring us a couple bags of Roughneck coffee, and we'll display it here at our booth. And that's great. Well, I've got uh, cru- I've got Crude Life coffee mugs as well, so it kind of okay. goes hand in hand. And yeah. we're you know we're getting into that sort of thing. But that's uh, great. Well. What's the next step? The bucket, um, obviously, you're going to try to get as many many of these as possible. Sure. But what, you know, it, have you identified, say, uh, Wyoming because of the wind, or you know what I mean? Like that's a great question. Um, it, I think before that, though, the next step is creating more awareness and oh. educating the operators. As Make to, sure we give them a media kit before we go too. As, as to as to where the true value of this lies, because if you have a long tenured production foreman, production superintendent, that all he's known is a super single workover rig, and that's what he's used to, 
those are the guys that you need to make sure that you take the time to let them know, somewhat educate them as to where the value of this lies. What would be your key points in the value? Uh, well, first and foremost, reducing, the, safety, the right. safety piece, uh, reducing the risk, fewer men at the wellhead. Um, Can I ask you something on that? You see, and you just mentioned what it was. I almost feel like whenever someone says safety, they got to pre- they, they, they got to continue because that is a buzzword now that is being thrown around. Um, well, sure. To where I'm almost wondering, like, I get it. Everybody has to go through the same different uh, trainings and all everything else. But uh, you, you know, you did actually give a uh, an example. So as I was speaking, I noticed you gave an example. So I tried to return, but I didn't well, work. the thing is, is yeah. that. If you had someone from one of the major oil and gas companies in this basin sitting in the seat right now and they were to answer you honestly and you ask them where most of their safety infractions take place, statistically speaking, if they answer you honestly, it's going to be on workover. Not frack, not wireline, not coil, workover. And I know that, Mr. Donner knows that, whether or not those stats are readily available to be given to us, I, I can't speak to that. But if we have a solution that appeals to them based off of that service segment where they're seeing the most safety incidents, in my mind, it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. So There's another example right there. Okay. <laughs> so safety, reducing this risk. Thank yes, you. reducing the risk. Um, and then I, I break it down into two categories, safety and operational efficiency. I never use the term quicker. I always use the term efficient. And again, I don't like to be married to the idea of specific metrics as to what we may do faster or more efficient than a workover rig, but certainly efficiency because time is money. And in the case of frack protects, if you can go out and actually do five to six wells in a given day, that appeals to an operator because again, you're obviously getting more work done in a shorter amount of time. So when you hold my feet to the Pro- fire- Process improvement. Process improvement, sure. There we, sure. we can say that. Okay. When you hold my feet to the fire and you say, what are the two main things that benefit this unit? Operational efficiency and safety. And it's maybe a little bit cliche, but uh, I can take someone outside right now and demonstrate to them physically on this piece of equipment those two elements, absolutely. So your gorilla has even got a mohawk, looks like a silverback. It's got a white mohawk down the middle. Anyway, i just just noticing at your logo. I I mean, I work here and he I haven't like even looked, guy. I haven't even looked like at the logo guy. that close, but that's, yeah, that's probably accurate. Looks and like he, looks like he's holding, he looks like he's holding a piece of tubing as a weapon. <laughs> hey, what is that tubing he's got there? Anyway, we're just dissecting. Well, he's got a tattoo on his chest. Wait a minute, <laughs> you guys. Wait a minute. That's not tubing. What is it? That's big, the, is it a bat? Carbon rod? That's big. Di- big difference between a tubular and a rod. That's a rod, right? That's a rod. See, I know my rods. Rod pump. <laughs> rod pump rod. I know that too. Yep. <laughs> well, it could, it could be casing. You know, casing is a little bigger than too big. So. Well, okay, I'm sorry that you're asking the question, so I'm going to go right down the rabbit hole here. Uh, you, you have to really differentiate any kind of tubular, whether it's casing or actual tubing. Boy, how many times from, have I heard that? From, from rod. Right. Because the, all the engineering behind our jack is based off of grabbing rod. You have to use a lot of different methodology because your ability to grab and hold rod, pull it out of the well, is much different than grabbing a tubular. 
So, I mean, just from a mechanical standpoint, like ovality, crushing a tubular, that type of stuff, you can get a little more Western with rod. It's solid rod. Different purpose, different application. So, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Pretty sure that transcript can be used in an erotic I novel. I would, but <laughs> I would prefer to say it's, you know, it's, he's using it as a weapon okay. of, some, of some sort. Well, that's not very politically correct, but I just uh, ch- choose to... Uh, oh, that's right. We were talking about the logo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we started on this whole thing. Okay. And I love that his, um, on his chest, it's... Um, it's a, it's a I, tattoo. I, I don't want to say the word for those things, but he's got an oil drip where his n- nipple would be. <laughs> Well, that's okay. Well, that's a, that's so a that, that yeah, that's a tattoo, but that's the I new see. Coda. It's their logo. Logo. Yep. Okay. As a tattoo on that. Yeah, it looks like an oil drop with a little bit of a uh, what is that? A green sun around there? What is that? Anyway, so I don't know, but uh, I really would never have thought my wildest dreams at this podcast we would go this in depth about the actual logo. Oh, we just went off the rail a long time ago, pal. So it's it's all good. But uh, hey, speaking of which, uh, you're you said Texas. Which part of Texas? Uh, East Texas, Haynesville. Oh, Haynesville Hillbillies. Sorry, man. I'm from North Dakota. We only know Frisco, Texas. That's all we know. National champions. Yeah, we, okay. we didn't make it this year. We got beat by South Dakota State, who's now in Frisco, Texas, getting ready for their national championship this weekend. Okay. Frisco, Texas. Was it north of Dallas? Just north of Dallas, right? Uh, Frisco would be north of Dallas, yep. and I'm directly due east right. of Dallas. Right, and I was going to say the Haynesville is even east of Dallas. Correct. So Correct. talk to me about what's going on in the Haynesville, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm you probably know? not in the loop okay. uh, as much as I should be. Or but as you mentioned, as you mentioned earlier, uh, because it's predominantly a gas play, it hasn't been as dramatically affected by what we see in the commodity market right now for right. the price of a barrel of oil. They have seen a little bit more consistency in that market. So God love them. Good for my brothers and sisters out in East Texas. The last stat that I think I read for drilling rigs running in the Haynesville had the number around 49 or 50. That's great. That's, dare I say, what, uh, four times what's running in the Bakken for oil drilling? I think uh, drilling rigs. Last is like six. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they've, they've stayed relatively consistent in that yeah. basin and uh, good for them, but they have the benefit of it being predominantly gas, mm-hmm. which has helped them. So. Yeah, it's, that's what I've been hearing. It's a good gas play. There's some potential um, with some oil down, down the road. But well, it's more of a gas play. Well, I think, though, that when you start talking about shale plays in the U.S., and I'm only going to base this off my own limited experience, is that really the Haynesville shale was the, the shale play that helped hone the overall strategy for well completion. Well, so, right? Yeah. So I'm going back to now the early 2000s. You say, but it, but now, it was an early entry, yeah. But early entry, and so not to say that obviously pressure pumping in the form of frack as we know it obviously existed, but really refining the overall process, that was done in the Haynesville. And then those, those applications refined were taken to all these other basins. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, these large fracks starting to get multi-zones where you've got 25, 30, 35 zones to frack, milling out all those composite plugs with coil. That whole process was truly refined in the Haynesville. And that's great because as a gas play, those are high pressure, bad mamma jamma wells. So if you can do it there, you can do it in those other basins because it's really all about the pressure. I didn't know that. The Bakken was like that in a lot of ways, too. We had a lot of our... 
technology and our um, information sharing that became globalized because you know we just became leaders in certain areas because of the geography at the end of the day. I, I, I totally couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, if you're in a basin like North Dakota and you have all these other elements to deal with, like what we get, in, especially in the winter season here, absolutely, you better know what you're doing because it's much easier in the Haynesville to call for a hot shot for a part uh, in the middle of the summer when it's 110 degrees than it is in the dead of winter to call a hot shot and get a part brought out when it's minus 40 minus 70 with wind chill and you can't see your hand in front of your face with the snow blowing or here in the, the vehicle or start the vehicle or yeah. the diesel gels up on the interstate because it's too cold that right happens right on that's ridiculous right on that's when you know you're living in a place that's too cold yeah if your vehicle shuts down because it's too cold with a hot engine going man well i'll just say this about the uh, about this topic i mean having having grown up in southern alberta cold winter climate Having spent many years now living and working down in Texas, I absolutely, and you guys are all going to roll your eyes when I say this, I prefer the cold. Why? I prefer the cold. Well, because now I'm in my mid-40s and wearing my FRs and a hard hat and out in the 110 degree Texas heat is too damn hard for me nowadays. Um, I can't do it. So I can deal better with the cold. Maybe it's just for the fact that I was raised in the cold. Maybe it has something to do with it thickens your blood. I don't know. Hmm. But I never climatized to the Texas heat. You just want to keep us riffraff away. That's what I always heard about the cold. Keeps the riffraff out. I, you, you said it, not me. <laughs> well, we better conclude here. How can people, unless Sean, unless you got any other questions, I want to find out how we can get this guy some business. Well, I would, um, at this point though, I do want to say that a big part of this process and specific to the piece of equipment that we have on display at the show here today, it couldn't have been done without our manufacturing partner. Um, and so that's Freedom Manufacturing out of Dismet, South Dakota, uh, led by uh, Mr. Bill Donner. We, we had a prototype unit built and dare I say somewhat patchworked together. And taking this design to the next level really involved partnering with a manufacturer that had the mechanical engineering skill set, the fabrication skill set, the hydraulic skill set, and certainly that was Mr. Donner uh, of Freedom. And that this piece of equipment that's on display is also a, a testament to his uh, his skill. And if you're lucky enough to get the Bismarck Tribune, you can see an example of what this equipment looks like on the front page. And we will link up Mr. Bill Donner's interview that we did with him a couple of years ago at the Gillette Conference. So if you can learn more about his company, I imagine 90% of that is probably still applicable, especially um, probably how to get in touch with him and do some business with him too. Sure. So uh, how can people do business with you and, and uh, Gorilla Jack and everything like that? Let's get the ball rolling. Yeah, I mean, if uh, if I receive let's get a fourth one if, going. If I receive a proactive call from uh, <laughs> Jimmy Joe XYZ Production Superintendent at some big oil and gas company, and he proactively is calling me saying, "Yeah, bring out the Gorilla Jack," I am going to come back and find you, and I'm going to give you a big high five because it'll most likely be as a result of this. Um, usually, you oh, know, boy, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to my earlier point is that I think the you guys asked me what the next step yeah. was, and that's certainly a bit of education. I, I, I don't want there to be um, misinformation out there as to what exactly this piece of equipment is. And so uh, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll keep uh, traveling down that road, pontificating, if you will, as to the merits of this piece of equipment. And um, we're already gaining some traction, getting a lot of interest. And uh, I think if this time next year, this show actually alternates between Regina, Canada and here, does it not? Correct. Yep. Well, if I see you next year, north of the border at this show, it would be interesting to do a podcast because maybe the discussion will be really different. Maybe I'll be sitting here telling you that I just got back from Colombia and I have three rod jacks running through the jungles of Colombia working for Petro Mineralis in that company. It's in interesting that country. you bring that up because Ken Hall yesterday got a call from the president of Argentina because of their Native American work that's done. And there's a Native American indigenous tribe. In, I don't know if it's Native American over there. Indigenous tribe sure. in South America hmm. that they want to be able to use as a consultant communicator to figure out how to navigate those waters. So oh, interesting. It wouldn't surprise me if a year from now you are doing business in South America. Interesting. It's, it's a global marketplace now, and that's going to explode in the next 12 months. No doubt. Well, uh, I've worked in Argentina, as a matter of fact, out of Nuquien, Argentina. And... Uh, they their shale development of their formation there is very very similar to the shale development of what we do in the basins here um and all the major players at least as far as my time in Nuquien, all the major players are there i mean halliburton through tubing tools everyone's there so uh yeah i mean i wouldn't be surprised if that basin is being developed further an interesting point about uh kind of that native discussions that are going with that indigenous population I, I absolutely get that so how can people get a hold of you uh, I would say at this point the best way would be the website I certainly I, I can't imagine you're going to come up with anything too wild if you do a simple internet search and enter Gorilla Jack okay. you will most likely end up at the New Coda website but Gorilla Jack uh, as a simple internet search or newcoda.com and that's got all of our uh, service line information and specifically with the Gorilla Jack as well. As much as I love websites, sometimes you get a generic phone number or a generic email address. If somebody wanted to talk to you, Mark, about doing business with you, how can they get a hold of you specifically? They can, listen, they can call me directly. What's your number? My cell phone number. Give me the digits. What's your digits? Area code 903-960-0112. But I will tell you this, Miss Sean, mm-hmm. that when they go to the website, I unequivocally promise that if someone calls a number on that website inquiring about our rod jack, they will get a live person, either myself or one of my salesmen, on the end of that phone. I appreciate that because, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's frustrating. Oh, no, you want to get a hold right. of someone right now, you want to get a hold of someone right. right now. Absolutely right. No, that's you know? a very, very good point, especially in our industry. When you're a service provider in oil and gas, you absolutely better be picking up the phone and responding when it rings. Right. No doubt.
Food Life, the most trusted voice in energy. On the phone, talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We are the oil and gas regulator, but we do pipelines and pipeline safety inspections for the state of Texas. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities. We have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a sixth. It's an important part of what goes on in the state, and safety is is really important, obviously, to all of us. Absolutely. You know, the oil and gas industry has always been environmentally focused. I mean, uh, the President Biden's administration, that this is Obama-Biden 2.0 plus. And the rate at which we've seen the executive orders flying off the president's desk is taking America back, taking jobs back, and putting us in a detrimental position. But as the attorneys general for a number of states, we are pushing back. Um, from the Department of Transportation, that Permian, the Permian Basin has some of the um, most deadly roads of anywhere in the country. We average a fatality per day. That is absolutely unacceptable, and we need to do better. Uh, we just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. Welcome back to the Crude Line. Play hard, work hard. I am Sean Forbes with TeamForbes.com and OGDirectory.com. Jason Spies is my co-host today. I went out there on my first rig move, and I was like, wow, I'm permitting all these loads, getting trucks going, load go, and I don't even know what half the stuff was. So when I finally got to go on the rig, I was like, wow, I was amazed. I was truly amazed of how this process is. No, I wasn't expecting any olive branch at all. Uh, the Democrat Party has decided that they don't like oil and natural gas, and uh, they were clear that they're going to go after us. I, I don't think that's any surprise. My name is Jenica, and today we get to talk with Amy Andrzak of the Interstate Natural Gas Association of Americas. Amy is the president and CEO. How are you doing today? I would say my my interest in this arena started more from an interest in politics and advocacy, more so than an interest specifically in the energy industry. Well, the first the, the first advice that I that I want to give is. Ladies, put your clothes on, okay? If you want to be taken seriously, put your clothes on, which that's a whole other podcast topic. It's a funny thing when I think sometimes it's just really ironic. I'll, I used to pull into the office and I would see some of my colleagues driving electric cars and things like that. And I'm like, how do you work for a large oil and gas company? <laughs> we pull in an electric car. So, I mean, even us, I mean, even in our, in our circles, we can see that things are changing. Actually, you are on the money. Back in 2014 and 15, when we first started approaching our management team at our reasoning for wanting to engage in ESG is that we had great stories to tell. We all like living the crude life, so. now to work hard. All right. We are here with Lynn Helms, who is the director of the North Dakota Department of Mineral Resources up here. And actually, I know I know you you wear multiple hats because you, let's see, you're the director of for, for the marketing as well, aren't you? Well, we, part of our job is to promote the production of the resource. And we, we have a promotional arm, which is the geological survey. And their job is to identify valuable mineral resources in the state and promote them to investors to come and drill or mine or um, extract 
the, those minerals and uh, boost our economy. So yes, I, I straddle that fence. I have a geological survey that does that, uh, publication and promotion, and I have an oil and gas division that does regulation. Wow, so that's you. You've got you've got a, a large role to fill then in the uh, energy industry for North Dakota. Is what that means, right? It feels like <laughs> it sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Well, uh, the individuals here were lucky enough to get to hear you speak just a little bit ago. But I thought maybe if you'd be interested, you could share with our listeners what you were talking about in regards to North Dakota oil and gas. Sure. So we just came off a decade of phenomenal growth where North Dakota went from number eight in production to number two, went from 100,000 barrels of oil a day to 1.5 million barrels a day, and grew the state population fourth uh, highest growth rate in the nation between the 2010 and 2020 census. So we saw places like McKenzie County, Watford City, triple their population uh, over the last 10 years and all of that because of people investing in oil and gas and moving to North Dakota to make that happen. So then 2020 happened uh, and uh, everything came to a screeching halt over a very short period of time and uh, so we partnered uh, using CARES Act money, partnered with the industry to keep a core group of, of people employed and uh, working through the last six months of 2020 un- until things could begin to recover. And now they have. So we talked about the fact that we're coming out of the pandemic. Uh, we're back to 18 drilling rigs. We have nine frack crews running. Uh, that's not nearly enough. Uh, we're, companies are getting back on their feet in terms of profit and producing capital. And just visiting and networking with folks here at the conference, finding out that our oil and gas operators are making big plans to go back to investing next year. So we think that we're going to get really back in business next year and that we can have another decade of phenomenal growth. And so I put some challenges out there of some things people have to do to make that happen. Oh, what, what, what were your challenges? So the first one was that they've already got 14,448 uncompleted wells on the books. Mm. Wells that they've drilled and not completed, or wells that they plan to drill when, when budgets return, or wells that legally I've signed an order approving the drilling of that well, they just haven't permitted it yet or, or drilled oh. it yet. So compare that to the fact that we only have 14,095 already drilling and producing. It's more than double. So over the next decade, they need to more than double the well count in North Dakota. That's a big enough job in itself. That's going to bring enormous natural gas production. And one of the things that our state is all in on is putting the policies in place and getting the investment here to add value to that, to, to break out all the products and store them provide propane to North Dakota and South Dakota farmers to dry their grain, uh, provide ethane to a plastics industry uh, to make plastic, uh, and use some of that to make electrons uh, to do things like charge your iPhone <laughs> across the country and export it as electrons. So that's, that's number two. And then the third challenge is that we're only recovering about 10 to 15% of the oil. 
that's in the bucket. So even with everything we've done, we're leaving 85 to 90 percent of the oil in the ground. That out of every 10 barrels, eight and a half to nine is staying down there. And so we're going to invest in research and field trials and figure out how to do what they call enhanced soil recovery, which we think can double the amount of oil that we recover from the rock. And that'd be over the next 10 years. Hopefully there's more to come behind that. Well, yeah, actually, um, since you brought up EOR, I had been curious. I had seen that there are three main methods uh, that are generally currently in use. And then I'd seen that Russia was developing a, a plasma blast of some sort. And I'm, I'm not really sure, but I, I was yeah. curious to know what kind of what kind of methods is it? Are you strictly using a gas lift, the CO2 method or? Um, no, not at all. Uh, there are several research projects on the use of CO2. And you heard the, I don't know if you were here yesterday to hear the governor's challenge, but um, his challenge is to utilize CO2 from our coal-fired power plants and also CO2 coming into the state for enhanced oil recovery, which will allow us essentially as a state to become carbon neutral, which, which is an awesome challenge and an awesome goal. And so that's one of the methods that's being studied. There's been some experiments and tests and research done with that no successes yet uh, mm-hmm. so that but that is that is one of the primary forms that we're looking at another form is to actually re-inject the gas that comes out with the oil and that's been done successfully in South Texas and so there's been one or two tests of that in North Dakota some near misses but no successes yet and then we have um, some professors and grad students at University of North Dakota that are working on uh, a nanotechnology to oh, deliver wow. something in into the reservoir, uh, whether it's CO2 or a surfactant or something, to recover more oil. And then finally, we have funded a, a research project that's now in field trials. Uh, a local North Dakota company has come up with a uh, biologically produced through a fermentation process, nanosurfactant that we can treat the wells with that looks like it's going to allow us to recover a lot more oil. So wow. no, we're, we're, we're pushing all the buttons, not, not just CO2. I'm going to see that. That's, that's wow. That is yeah. quite a lot of innovative techniques. So with, with the nanotechnology, just cause this was what popped into my head is so it's kind of like a timed release. And is what you're saying. You send the nano bots or whatever downhole and then when they are in place they release whatever the payload is i guess the yeah exactly the so the, the the pore spaces in the bakken are very 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 small they're less than 20 nanometers mm. in size so it, it, you you couldn't in in a lot of them you could barely get a human hair in there and so delivering something into there is is difficult and then having it do its thing so yeah these are intended to uh, be small enough to get into those little pore spaces and then much like the gel cap around your medicine to release it after it's in there not in the wow. well bore but after it has actually gotten into these small nanopores in in the rock itself wow what happens to the nanobots after they've given their payload i mean are they are they made they, of they are made of stuff that uh, um degrades so they're 
So it just goes right back into nothing. the environment harmlessly. Exactly. Okay. They, they attach themselves to the rock, and then over time and with temperature, they, they just go back to what they were before they were fermented. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so this actually makes brings me around to this potential carbon tax. With all of the research going on here in North Dakota, should the administration put a tax on carbon, what would that do for research here in North Dakota? So um, one, one of the things about a carbon tax is it's, it's sort of, uh, uh, what do I want to say, it's retroactive and it's punitive uh, in that it takes capital away from the companies. We think a, a better approach is to partner with the industries that are already working on this and successful uh, to some measure and you know provide grant money and encourage capital investment into these kind of technologies as opposed to taxing people for not using the technologies. Um, it, it takes a lot of capital to do one of these things. Um, a billion dollars worth of capital to capture the CO2 off a coal-fired power plant and, and deliver it to an oil field. And so if, if you tax them, uh, I guess, you know, that's a stick and, and you can, you know, punish them for not doing that. Yeah. North Dakota's approach, on the other hand, is to take earnings from the Legacy Fund and partner with them in loaning them money at low interest and in investing in research on ways to do it economically uh, so so that they'll have a, a different reason and a different driver for doing it. Certainly, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's actually, but I, I've listened to quite a few speakers talk on different parts of what's happening in, in the energy industry to try and give a hand up and make it, you know, get it back to full strength again, I guess, if you will. Yep. So, what, so I guess with... With the possibility of this this climate tax looming, do, do you think that affects the outlook, the future outlook for the industry here in North Dakota at all, or is it, are you still feeling pretty optimistic? I mean, well, we're we're still very optimistic, but um, it does create a lot of uncertainty and anxiety, uh, particularly amongst the smaller companies and uh, especially the smaller companies that ended up going through a chapter 11 last year because of the pandemic, you know, they're just getting back on their feet. And, and so it would take capital away from them at a time when they desperately needed to, to invest in these improvements we've talked about. I don't know how, you know, if you tax the money away from the company, how then do you get them to raise capital and invest in, in what they need to be doing seven, eight years from now? That's that's a very good question. <laughs> well, I guess I know and, that, and I think I think that they can invest that money more wisely than our government can. And I and I work for the government, but the government rarely makes wise investments. And these companies can see what what they need to be investing that money in in order to move themselves forward into a carbon neutral world. Oh, oh, yeah. Colla- collaborative efforts mm-hmm. seem to work best. That seems to be, that is the approach that North Dakota wants to take in all of this. Well, that's that's fantastic. Is there anything that you would specifically like to let people know about? Is there something of very, you know, importance that you think should be shared? Yeah, I want to really talk about uh, the 
some of the policies that our legislature put in place this last, we just finished a legislative session. And one of the things that they did was to create a government partner for industry investment in getting to carbon neutral. It's called the Clean Sustainable Energy Authority. And this group uh, is going to start out with $25 million and also be able to loan $250 million to companies to do the kind of research that we're talking about to move towards the goal and the challenge that the governor put out there, which is um, let's, let's get the investment and the research and the policies done to make North Dakota carbon neutral in 10 years and carbon negative in 20. Bold statements. Mm-hmm. Definitely possible with what, what's, what's happening here. in the. Well, yeah. uh, as the governor said, we hit the geologic jackpot. So we have the oil resources, we have the coal resources, we have uh, the geology to store CO2. And so we can actually, and, and we have the, the soil science to do it as well uh, in the Red River Valley and in the green pastures out in western North Dakota. So what we need to do is pull all of that together and actually we're looking to a future where CO2 from other states that weren't blessed with our geology comes here to, to be uh, disposed of or, or stored out of the atmosphere, turning North Dakota into, into a carbon negative state. Actually, uh, Lieutenant Governor Sanford had mentioned something about that yesterday, stating that North Dakota seems to use more CO2 than what they're even capturing. So it's necessary to, to pull it in. It's, 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 so that's, that's, yeah. that's really, that's, we're, we're almost need, there we're now. We're going to right? need CO2 here. Yeah, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's exciting. Very yeah. exciting. So that's what I, w- I want to you know, leave everybody with is uh, the, it's not easy, but our, our state has worked hard to put the tax and regulatory and investment policies in place to to partner with our industry uh, to provide them the carrot and and the assistance to get there. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Okay. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Jennifer. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now, I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in, in Texas. Sits in a microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this, is, this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, there are, and, and let me just say this, I, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It, it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, the grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today. Uh, and, and there's... It's our snowy here in Lubbock again. I don't know. 
I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district, but I also represent, uh, in addition to Hector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Hector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those uh, those materials, and so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined, so that we can either one heat our homes or two uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to be, even be able to handle a, 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 you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now it, you know, there's gonna be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half the gigawatts went without water since Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. We'll have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, uh, generator, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that's true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on, a, on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? JP Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. Well, I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days. now to work hard. All right, here at the Williston Basin Petroleum Council, or excuse me, the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference this year that was actually put on by the North Dakota Petroleum Council, and I have the opportunity to speak with President Ron Ness, and your, your role is primarily government relations, so you have a unique vantage point to see, like, over all, over, over all of what is happening in the energy industry here in North Dakota, is that correct? I do. I uh, represent uh, over 650 companies involved in the oil and gas industry in North Dakota and the Rocky Mountain region, so uh, broad-ranging from producers to pipeliners to midstreamers to uh, all types of service companies, refiners, so uh, we got a pretty good pretty good uh, overview, I think, of what's going on in the industry most days. Well, and it sounds like there's a lot of really positive things happening, especially after uh, Governor Burgum's presentation talking about becoming carbon neutral here by 2030. There's all kinds of innovations that people have been talking out for all this week. Where, where do you think the focus for you is lying right now most heavily our focus today and, and really throughout this entire conference is uh, has been primarily just to instill the confidence in the communities in the workers in the companies and the service providers and North Dakotans as a whole that the Bakken is just a world-class asset and uh, great plays get better in the oil and gas industry and the longevity the, the fact that uh, our resilience after a COVID year which was you know uh, as Harold Hamm has labeled it the triple whammy against this industry here we are a year later producing 1.1 million barrels a day and a tough year it was uh, a devastating uh, body blow to this industry 
and uh, we've survived. And certainly, uh, you can't look around this conference and not feel some enthusiasm, which, you know, I'm not sure was here uh, 10 months ago, eight yeah. months ago, five months ago. Uh, so uh, I think the the confidence that we can reinstore that leads to that technology, that needs, leads to that innovation. All the things that you're hearing in the subsequent sessions, uh, great ideas come from great minds, and we've always been able to attract the great minds, and, and so we've got that in North Dakota. We're proud of it. Got a lot of work to do. Yeah, well, and, and like I said, it sounds like there's all kinds of work already being done. Uh, with the carbon sequestration uh, programs that are going on here in North Dakota and the usage of, of that carbon, do you think that that's going to be affected at all by the uh, Biden administration's potential carbon tax? Do you think that that's going to affect the, the, the road, the journey to carbon neutrality? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't believe a carbon tax will ever be imposed. You don't think by it the, will? No, I okay. don't. Um, I don't, I don't see any way. A carbon tax is going to increase the cost of energy on consumers in America. And I, I don't think consumers in, in America want that. And as Secretary of State Pompeo said, it also puts us at a disadvantage to the rest of the world. So why in the world would we tax carbon and put ourselves, uh, not only charge ourselves more for what we use every day in energy, but also put ourselves at a disadvantage to our to our non-allies across the world. So I, I'm not believe, I'm not a believer that there'll be a carbon tax. Uh, I am a believer, though, that we have to do everything we can through research, innovation, technology, to try and make that Bakken barrel just, a, it's a competitive edge for me. It's not about uh, meeting this standard or that standard. It's how do we make the world want a Bakken barrel just a little bit more than a, a Libyan barrel or a Permian barrel or anybody else's barrel, because that's all about investment. The more investment you have, the more opportunity you have, the more more your economy is going to be driven. So um, that's what I, that's how I look at this. Nice. So would you say that the outlook for the next few years is going to be pretty positive based on your vantage point? I would say so. And I, I think the, the sense of optimism here uh, amongst all of the producers showing up, uh, a little bit of that is just post-COVID breakout, but uh, it, it's real. It's here. And um, I think I think the future, the future, the long-term future of the Bakken is is extremely bright. Now there are going to be bumps in the road and uh, bruises here and there, but there's absolutely no question. This resource is incredible. With the best technology in the world over the past 15 years, we're still leaving 85 or 80, 85 or 88 barrels out of every hundred barrels in the ground. So, so that actually brings us to the EOR uh, program that's just beginning here in North Dakota. That's still in its infancy from what Lieutenant Governor Sanford was saying. Uh, does, how does that look? How's the program right now look? Are, are there great things happening there? Or? I tend to think that enhanced oil recovery in the Bakken is probably uh, something that is going to become the, the, the great next uh, attraction of capital into the Bakken. We, we need that. Uh, as you saw uh, DMR Director Lynn Helms comments Today. It's it's a it's a long hard road that takes a lot of investment, a lot of uh, you know a lot of failures. But the reality is, um, this resource is so rich. Uh, there's so much opportunity. There's so many billions of barrels in place that the prize is the the prize is worth the effort, and that's what attracts people to the Bakken and the Wilson Basin. So it'll happen. Uh, I'm not sure in the timeline, but I, I think it's huge. We and we're going to need it. 
Oh yeah. Well, and it, the, the possibilities sound pretty, pretty incredible. Um, I, I wonder, especially after talking with Lynn Helms, it sounds as though the methods used for the enhanced oil recovery are fairly environmentally friendly, which would then, you know, coincide with the ESG standards across the state because it, it does seem that North Dakota is pushing pretty hard on on trying to maintain an environmentally friendly tactics. It, it appears to me, anyway. Um, do you, how do you feel about the methodology? What 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 information about the methodology for EOR? I mean, how is it is it safe and harmless for the environment? Are there any concerns? I had read some reports saying that it could possibly be detrimental, but it never said in any of those reports to what degree or what it would even do. Well, I, I mean, you know, it, it seems like um, there's a there's a cry and a push out there to to reduce carbon, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going to capture the carbon, what are you going to do with it? If you want less carbon, the, the alternative is we don't produce coal, we, we don't produce other right. things, and then, and then all of a sudden we rely on China for uranium, we rely on China for all the components that make the, you know, the batteries and the things like that, and, uh, which, again, what, what, what drives your plug-in car every day? It's typically coal today, let's not kid ourselves. So um, utilizing enhanced oil recovery with carbon sequestration just... It's been around. It's this is nothing new. Now, in the Bakken, it's very new because of the, the it's the porosity of the rock, the permeability of the rock. The, so it's a process here in figuring out how it works best. It's a very tight rock. It's uh, so unlike, here. unlike it's different. So that's probably uh, in terms of uh, you know, what you see in. in that's what the research is about. It's not about does carbon. Carbon does. You saw the presentation by Denbury Resources today, you know, putting carbon into the rock and it stays in the rock. You get more oil. But putting the carbon into Bakken rock, got to figure out how that works. What's the best What's the best way to do it? Well, okay. So I guess a final point that I would like to make, I suppose, would be on the education for other people uh, as it pertains to what is happening in the energy industry. We've heard, as I said, a lot about innovations and, and technology in, in that matter, um, which is why I was very curious to know how environmentally friendly it would be because there are so many practices put into place. What is being done to kind of let everybody know about what we're doing here to help out. Do you, does that make sense? I'm not sure. Well, we've, uh, we've got the uh, former Secretary of State here who just uh, stood up and said how important energy is to the world and how important America is to the world and how, what a critical piece of Bakken plays in that. So that's a pretty good start um, in addition to all the science, all the technology. 2,700 people here that uh, uh, in addition to a whole bunch of media that we've gotten this week. So I'd say we're, we're uh, we're doing something, and it's oh, yeah. all been about technology, right? I mean, it's like so. Um, but you have to start. You have to start permeating that across the country. Obviously, the Colonial Pipeline issue, the the Texas grid disaster, those are wake up calls for this country. And um, we know that we need we need energy, and where are we going to get it? Are we yeah. gonna, we're going to make it at home and, and create wealth and opportunity for our own people. Or are we going to buy it from the people who want wake up every day and want to kill us? That's a fair enough question. Thank you so much. Right. I really appreciate your Thanks. time, Glad you've been here. Okay. Yes. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com.
music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Great American Mining monetizes wasted, stranded, and undervalued gas throughout the oil and gas industry by using it as a power generation source for Bitcoin mining. Great American Mining Company brings the market and their expertise to the molecule. Their solutions make producers more efficient and profitable while helping reduce flaring and venting throughout the oil and gas value chain. And if you're a mineral owner, check out how much Bitcoin you could be making right now with your valued gas. Go to GAM.AI. That's Great American Mining, GAM.AI. The Crude Life with host Jason Speece. My name is Jason Speece, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Charles Gorecki, the CEO of the Energy Environmental Research Center, commonly known as the acronym EERC, up in Grand Forks, North Dakota, at the University of North Dakota, with Crude Life content correspondent Jenica Hauser. Project Tundra is a big one. So that's a carbon capture project at uh, Minn Kota's Milton R. Young Power Station where they'll capture 4 million tons per year of carbon dioxide off of that power plant to put electrons onto the grid that have uh, no carbon uh, or low carbon uh, at the same time storing that carbon dioxide in the subsurface. Red Trail Energy is another one. It's a biofuels plant. It's making ethanol. uh, And they're going to capture all of their carbon dioxide from the fermentation process, about 200,000 tons per year, again, storing that in the subsurface. But when we really think about long-term, we've got about 30 million tons of point source CO2 emissions in North Dakota. Uh, We can store all of that easily in our saline formations, deep underground, these formations that are filled with salt water that don't have any future use. Or even better, in my opinion, would be to put that 30 million tons of CO2 to work in the Bakken. Uh, The Bakken has the potential to use 3, 4, 5 billion tons of carbon dioxide to produce 5, 6, 7, 8 billion barrels of oil. Uh, Some of our presenters today talked about how we can actually put more carbon dioxide in the ground sometimes um, than oil and the oil emissions uh, if it's combusted on the outside. So we actually could have a carbon neutral barrel of oil depending upon how you draw the box. So that's where I see the real future um, and the real potential to be able to utilize our resources and hit those goals of carbon neutrality. Things like uh, blue hydrogen, uh, using biofuels that have no carbon or low carbon, carbon negative, and then reliable baseload power from like Cold Creek and Milton R. Young. And that was Charles Gorecki, the CEO of the Energy and Environmental Research Center, EERC, up in Grand Forks, North Dakota, at the University of North Dakota, along with the Crude Life content correspondent, Jenica Hauser. For more industry news, exclusive interviews, and energy innovations, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spees, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. 
Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out the industrial forest. Forest.com. That's the industrialforest.com. We're going to do a good old fashioned Bakken barbecue. Halliburton has been cooking for two days. Uh, they've cooked 2,500 pounds of pork, 800 pounds of sausage, uh, 500 pounds of chicken. So. Uh, Everyone's favorite are the fish tacos, but they've got burgers, steaks, salads, I mean, pretty much everything. And the first experience was, oh, where are all the rigs? Because you have so much country here. If it ain't about whiskey, sipping, guitar picking, tractors, trailers, trucks, or prison, man, it ain't a country song. In a car, they're in a tent, they're in some other building that's not meant for human habitation. We've actually found people living in haystacks, in uh, grain bins. We found one guy that uh, basically gets shelter in a culvert each night. This was one of those stories where one reporter can't cover. There's too much happening at one time in too many places. If you hear it and it ain't stuck in your head all day, it's got a pop back beat and it's sung the wrong way. If you're not making money in the Bakken, you just truly are not thinking hard enough. Brother, it ain't country, no. Looking for a helping hand? Look at the end of your doggone arm. North Dakotans aren't looking over their shoulder for the government to help them. Some furco-wearing wannabes producing your stuff. And brother, you ain't country, no. If you can't move to it, groove to it, up and slam some boots to it, party to it all night long. If it ain't about whiskey sipping, guitar picking, tractors, trailers, trucks, or prison, man, it ain't a country song. As long as I'm working, my mom and dad are happy. Okay. <laughs> and a shower. Well, that was always a key, especially going to Thunder Bay. And he doesn't like life, I guess. It starts <laughs> Insanity, right? North Dakota, the Bakken Plague. The Crude Life, play hard, work hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. 
Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band.